Welcome to episode 674 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode seven, no six seventy four. Of course, John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, John? I'm pretty good, Bevan. Yourself? Top of the top of the evening to you. We're recording a little bit earlier, John, because uh, well, basically what happened was I I'm a part time supermodel. Well, no, remember from last week was it? Flo, oh, you're the Flo, I'm the pretty one. Yeah, you're Bevan, the, yep. he gets by. Yeah, I get by. I've got a big hairy chest. Mm. And uh, and what was I going to say? So they 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 booked me, and then they said, "Can you do it tomorrow?" I was like, "Well." Really? <laughs> but luckily, I've got a great podcasting partner, John Newsom, and he said, look, I can make it work. So we're at what, it's 8 o'clock on Monday night. We're normally recording at 8.30, 12 hours from now. I know. Even Torsten hasn't got all his results up. I was like, oh, goodness. Uh, uh, no. Anyway, anyway Jombo, uh, I Talk is proudly brought to you by... Extreme Endurance. Galactic Buffer. And our patrons. There's number few, Jombo. Adam, the racing vampire leech. I'm going to say Jens. 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 Oh, Jens. Uh, the champ. I'm going to say Dolman. Close enough, yep. I'd say. And Andrew, the predator hunt. Nice. On this week's show, team, we have some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. Age group of the week. Interview. Website of the week. Or interviews. We've got, what, what are we doing here, John? We've got a few follow-ups. So it's a... Two more weeks of just hearing from some of the Epic Camp athletes who were over in Kona, just sharing their stories about the race. And I had an email in from a couple of athletes that I coach, actually, and they said they really enjoyed last week's one. Thank you to our our special uh, interviewee. Yes, Alan Lee. Yep, Alan Lee. And uh, you could tell he was from radio, couldn't he? Yes. And you could tell he's from, like, Intelligent Radio. Mm -hmm. You know, you and I. We're like we're like the edge. We're rough as gum of the earth. Whereas Alan's got that. He's just calm. Mm-hmm. He's got that bit of accent, which makes him sound more intelligent. Yeah. Although, you know, a few weeks ago we did announce, didn't we? New Zealand has the most sexy, sexy accent, accent in the world. So, sexy accent. Yeah. Uh, website of the week is pretty interesting this week. Uh, Winger of the week and questions and answers at the end. John, the big race. What, 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 I was just thinking about this the other day. I was talking to someone the other day. Who was I talking to? And I said, "Oh, Roats on this weekend." Oh, Mitch. And and you're saying, where does Roats sit in? You know the top races of the year now. It's number three. You still think it's three? <clears throat> I reckon it's number three. Yep, no, it definitely is. Uh, Price money doesn't seem as big nowadays. Yeah, but they probably pay. They pay a yeah. fair amount of appearance, appearance money, and yeah. they pay bonus money as well. Oh, so do they? If you if you are one of the signed athletes um, and you do well, then you'll get a bonus. Okay. So I think if you so yeah, like like you got to get top three. Sort of great, but behind mm. the scenes, you're probably doing pretty well. Exactly. And I think, well, I just get this feeling maybe the new qualifying system might play in their favour because they had a really good field this year, uh, especially on the guys' side. And because people are qualifying potentially a lot earlier, I kind of wonder if it it may uh, help in some regard in terms of getting a, a better field. But yeah, let's talk about female race first because Lucy Charles, did she dominate Dojo? Not quite, oh, but very close. Very good race. So I guess the first, I, I only watched a very small part of the coverage. First thing I'll say is uh, it was a non-wetsuit swim for the pros, what, not for the age groupers. Why was that? Well, they have different, slightly different cut-off temperatures where you can... Because it was wet conditions. It was, but... But still a warm day. And I, I'd... Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. I've never seen a wetsuit, non-wetsuit swim at rope before. Mm. Uh, so I turned it on, and it was just coming towards the end of the swim, and the, the, the male leader, Jesper Svensson, who was uh, leading, and I thought, 
that does not look like he's got a wetsuit on. I thought, and then I thought of some of the age groupers thinking, oh no, that's going to be a bit tough. And then I saw the age groupers and they started with wetsuits, which you might go, yippee, we get to still get to wear wetsuits. But swimming 3.8Ks in a wetsuit, that would be yeah. hot. And I think it's extremely fortunate that the weather it was actually really cool when they got out of the swim. I remember one time years ago, John, I went up to Auckland. They've got a, a, a kind of a YMCA pool, or, or mm-hmm. it's called Youth Town, which is kind of a local Trust. for youth. Yeah, yep. uh, And they had a twenty-five meter pool there, and it's kind of the only pool I could get to. But it was a warm pool. It's not pleasant. Oh, mate! And it, and it actually, you know, swimming's quite fatiguing anyway. But it wrote me off for the rest of the day. I, I think I almost felt a bit sick. Ah. So imagine starting an Ironman with that. Yeah, it wouldn't be nice. No. So anyway, the pros got to to wear wetsuits and their swims accordingly were quite a bit slower than normal about three to four minutes yep. so what you'll normally find with the pros the good, good the, the better the swimmer the less the uh, the less the difference between wetsuit and non-wetsuit yep. so Lucy Charles probably about five seconds per hundred if you get a for a standard sort of age grouper it's probably 10 seconds per hundred is the difference and for a really weak swimmer it's maybe even a bit more than that so all the times are a little bit slow coming out of the swim I initially thought that Lucy Charles had actually outswum all the males but according to Torsten's results she swam a 49.01 which uh, she outswam all but one of the males so Jesper Svensson actually did beat her out by 30 seconds or so it was a split side between males and females but I really did want to start with the, the females because impressive performance by Lucy Charles all round eh yep she, she, she swam 49.01 rode a 4.39 and ran a 2.59 for an 8.31.09 that's an impressive time we know that people um, you know both uh, Chrissy and Reef have been quicker than that there and, but and significantly Significantly, yep. but you take off three minutes off of that, and I think a legit three minutes yep. because it was a swim. Uh, so that's eight twenty-seven. Seven, still seven minutes off what Reef went there, um, but the course this time around is still is a bit harder when you've got the the hill climb uh, in the second half of the run, and. Yeah, so but she 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 didn't dominate the dojo, but still seven minutes in front of Sarah Crowley. She I really want her front. to get close to Reef because I don't because it's like at the moment you're saying Lucy Charles. She's only about twenty four, isn't she? She's pretty young. Yeah, whatever she is. so so you're saying if we look at the in the future, we're saying Lucy Charles is the name of the future, mm-hmm. and there's going to come a crossover point where Daniela's probably going to be a little bit older, and you're going to see that transition. Um, but I'd love to see. Charles get close to or Charles Barclay now get close to Reef when Reef's still in a peak, you know because we Reef's a freak. Yeah. We're not going to deny it, but we've never seen a really pushed. No, you know, and if Lucy can get close to her, what are we going to see at that moment? And I, and I think she's at the standard now, like where if she has an amazing day and Reef spit off, she can beat yeah. her. If Reef's on. Well, but, but what I want to see, you know, Lucy another three to two or three years where Reef's still kind of in that peak period. Yes. That you know, two or three years from now, with those two going head to head, that would just be awesome racing. It would. Yeah. So she she won. Uh, really, still a very strong race from Sarah Crowley in second place in eight thirty eight, uh, and then Daniela Blame Hale Previous winner last year's uh, winner. came home in eight forty three, which is the same time that she did last year. So, oh, okay. Uh, so good good performance by her and. Yeah, and, and she then, only signed up like the day before the race because she didn't have a very good Germany race, did she? Well, she d- DNF'd yeah. and then came over and uh, to her credit. We got all the PR releases. She's doing the race. Yes, so really, really solid race by Lucy Charles. But the other thing I was thinking of when I was doing the notes today, all the, uh, uh, there used to be that rule if you won in July, you know, won Frankfurt. Yeah, there was a John Newsom rule. The, the, yeah, the out rule. for the year. Yeah, yeah out for, for the year. So my new, my new theory oh, is... Here we go. Nothing matters going into Kona in oh, terms really? of the, the season. I don't think it matters at all where people finish. 
uh, during here, like David McNamee, he had a crappy race here. I bet you he goes and spanks it again in Kona. Um, last week we had uh, Langer bombing out. I don't think... I don't think form during the season is very much of a predictor. But, but that was never your argument in the past. Your argument in the past was if you go too hard too at the time of year. Yes. You know, so it was when you got like, you know, the guys winning Germany. And, and to be honest, you were getting it right back in those days. Like back mm. in those days, it's only really the advent of like a Frodo who's a bit of a freak mm. who's going to be able to kind of kill Germany and then back up Kona as well. Mm. So I think, um, yeah, I, th- I don't. Th- I'm not. not I- I'm sort of saying now you possibly can still win, but I don't think it's a predictor at all yeah. in terms of how you're going. That being said, I still think Frodo's going to win Kona unless he does something wrong. So boy side of the race. Uh, but yeah, really interesting because uh, I watched them coming off the bike, and you had Andreas Dreitz and Andy Buschera come off the bike together, and the commentators and probably pretty much everybody is thinking Andy Buschera should take this pretty, pretty not pretty comfortably. But he's a significantly better runner, and he's got some great pedigree, you know, running well. And I didn't watch any of the run, but he four twenty seven. So what happened? Four twenty seven. I didn't yeah, actually see that. Up, yeah. uh, so he, I, I only watched the first kilometre of the run, and Andreas Streitz was leading off the bike and ran a two fifty one, which is solid, and won it by three minutes over Jesper Svensson, who came home with a two forty eight after leading the swim but losing a lot of time on the bike. Uh, and Cam Worth came home in third, running a two hour fifty. Um, to finish in 8.04. So what I'll say about some of these results, Bart Arnott was fourth, David McNamee was fifth. Of the ones that um, bombed out, Braden Curry, don't know what happened to him. Oh, he, he did because he was racing, wasn't he? He was, he was up there after the swim, he was up there for a period on the bike, I'm not sure what happened to him. And then, as you said, and, uh, Andreas, uh, Andy Boucherer, obviously ex- detonated on the run. So what I'll say, firstly, I think some people would be getting excited about Cam Worth's run time. Which is impressive, two fifty, you know. But he's taking a pretty easy bike. He didn't use his weapon, did he? And and so I think he's proved a couple of times now that he's got the goods when it comes to the run. He can actually run. He's not somebody who's on a good day, three hours. It's like when he's having a good day, you know, he's a two can run a two fifty. But can he do a run after a bike? And that's what he hasn't shown yet. Yeah. Um, so maybe he had something issues going on the bike. I'm not quite sure. But his bike time is not that it was crap. It was 4:15. But you'd but expect him to be like five, ten minutes faster than the rest, wouldn't you? And his finish time. So whilst you go great work on the run, was actually slow, significantly slower than what he went last year. Mm. So I know conditions are different. You're not. You know, it's not comparing. He had the different swim and so on. So I'm, I'm still thinking Camworth is a potential. Podium getter, but his swim is still rubbish. Swimming fifty-four minutes, non-wetsuit swim didn't help him. Um, but it's he's 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 building the strings up. But uh, it's a fine line, isn't it? And this is what we saw Keenley do a few years ago because Keenley early on in his career was basically uber biker, you know, solid runner. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and then there was a period where he was kind of always winning Kona in the bike, and then after he won it, he kind of struggled for a few years afterwards. And then he made this decision: you know what? I am actually going to lose a bit of my bike. Advantage to give myself a chance in the run, mm. but it's a fine line, isn't it? Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. because you've got to get that line right, so you're still getting enough out of the bike that mm-hmm. you're in the race. Because the 250 is a good marathon, but I ain't going to get anywhere in Kona. No, a 250 with a 415 on the bike in Kona might get yeah, you somewhere, yeah. So, no, I think he's, he's, a, he's a contender, but as I said, last year you had six guys going uh sub eight, and Andreas Dreitz he went quicker last year, and again, you know, you've got to add three minutes on to his time, three or four for the swim. Last year, Andreas Dreitz finished second in seven. Uh, 53 this year he won in 759 so good on him you know you, you 
he's in winning position. It was very close racing though. So uh, second place was 8.02 and fifth place was 8.05. Uh, so only three and a half minutes covering second through to fifth. So, you know, any small cracks can uh, can be pretty well exposed and you can lose those places pretty quickly. So David McNamee did come home in a 2.41, yeah. solid run. So yeah, conditions looked uh, a bit of rain early on on the bike and then it didn't look particularly hot so good running conditions so in some ways you'd kind of think that they'd, they'd actually go quicker than that so yeah it was uh, awesome route uh, I, I will say uh, I watched a little bit of footage when Lucy Charles was going up uh, Solarberg it would have been her second time up God, it's wicked. If you want to get oh, on it, yeah. man, come to the camp next year. Because the second lap is significantly quiet in the first. Yeah. And this was her going out the second lap, and it was mental. Oh, really? Even still in the second lap? Yeah. Wow. I mean, I didn't see the first lap. The second lap was still mental. Uh, it's Seriously, like brilliant. obviously we're going to promote our camp here. If you want to come to um, Rote next year, and you want to have just an amazing life experience, good team experience, get to ride all that will do the, pretty much the whole course before the race, um, but just get to do the race, you know. And it, well, you've, if you've listened to the show for a while, you've listened to the shows we've done from Rote. It's you know, like we say, I said to John before, what's you know, where does Rote sit in the scheme of the big races? But for experience in a race, mm. number one. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you know, the thing that Hakona has is the legacy and all the pros. But if you just want to have an amazing life experience, that Rote race, man, it is special. And the other great thing about the Rote race. Friends and family, it's a great day. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Because you go watch the swim, you walk down the road to Solberg, he'll hang out there a few hours, go to the run finish. It's just a really great fem- friends and family day. Andy Potts was right there after the bike. Yeah. He was three minutes down, only around 2.58, which is slower than predicted. Uh, so he was in the reckoning for the for a win there. Still going strong, good old Andy Potts. Man, too. I mean, Austria was the other big race we had happened over the weekend, and Reef just once again shows her pedigree. Uh, looks like she took it pretty easy in the run. Well, no, she, she was having a rough time. Oh, was so she? she was having a, yeah. she was like 23 minutes off the front of the bike, wasn't she? Yeah, so I mean, the, the, the win was never in doubt, but I saw her post-race interview, just said she just was... Not there. Got through it, got through it on that day, and when you can get through the day and still go 8.52, which is not particularly fast on that course. Uh, she's no, because you were saying last week you wouldn't be surprised if she beats some of the pre- you know top 10 or top and, 5. And if she would gone... Um, what you'd she expect. Would, what you'd expect. She, I, th- I, I think she would have got like 6th or 5th or 6th or something like that if she'd, she'd gone around about course record time, which I think she was on, on course to do um, coming off the bike even though she wasn't feeling great so yeah uh, and uh, so she uh, Daniela Reef took it out she went 55 in the swim 4.43 on the bike and a 3.08 on the run um, Bianca Sturner from Austria was home in 9.18 and geez pretty big gaps uh, Heaney yeah. Hartingara from Finland was uh, 9.44 wow, so third, third place. place was nearly an hour behind Wow, wowzers. The men's race do still, do, do still do the 8% rule? I don't think so. If somebody does know, does know their information on that in terms of prize money. So back in the day, it used to be, it was 8% behind second place, wasn't it? I think it was something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. If you didn't finish with that. Then you uh, don't get your money. You didn't get your money. Yeah. So anyway, so that was the female side. Uh, on the males, it was... And I don't mean any disrespect here. It's a bunch of no-name guys that I've never ever heard of before, David except Plesch. for David Plisch yeah. in, th- in third place. I've heard of him. Everybody else never heard of them. The guy that won, 
Daniel Burkhart from Denmark, he went 8.14, which is uh, it's okay on that course. We've seen lots and lots of uh, sub-8s there. Uh, also, the weather did look like it packed it in on the run a bit. Uh, he swam a 47, rode a 4.28, and ran a 2.53. So what I normally do in these circumstances, guy, I've never heard of the guy, Plug him into Google, try to find some information. Really? Like nothing. <laughs> nothing. Wow. So he won on debut, first time Ironman distance. The only results I could find for him, uh, I think he won a Finland 70.3, uh, and he got third at a challenge half, I think at the tail end of last year behind Keenlay. So, dude, on debut, uh, highly impressive to go out and win a race. Uh, and then Sten... Goldstowers from Belgium. He was equally happy with his uh, second place, just hung on by six seconds in front of a fast finishing David Pliche. So, you know, you know, number one, first race for this Daniel Burkhart. He'll get a Kona slot and off he goes. He was wearing the P-Wag outfit, so he's obviously they recognised him, but all the other pictures I found of him, he wasn't wearing that. He's not even listed on their website. John, so I don't know what P-Wag is. What's P-Wag? P-Wag is a, is a, is a team... It used to be um, Marino van Holnacker was involved oh, okay. in it. Yep, yep. Uh, that was a banking team, wasn't it? No, that was diff- that was prior to that. P-Wag make chains and things like okay. that. Okay. So obviously the, the CEO's uh, got a vested interest, and I think I heard that they were maybe even an Austrian company. So anyway, he took it out, and I, it was a bizarre finish. I've never seen anything like it because I kind of fast-forwarded through the, the um, Ironman live coverage because I just wanted to see the dude finish. And he, he walked... So you know when you get onto the carpet, yeah. you've got hundred meters yeah. to go. If that, he was he let, like he just ambled down. He walked the last hundred meters, oh, just yeah. high fiving people. When you say walking, he was just walking. He was stopping, really? hugging people no and stuff. At all. No urgency, and he had a decent lead, so he didn't need to. And in some ways, I don't mind that because you're absorbing that moment. But it was for me. It was like he was walking into a boxing ring. Oh, really? He was like, was like he was like, I'm the man. Oh, really? And it was... I just, I just found it a bit uncomfortable. And then when he crossed the finish line, you know, normally you'd grab the finishing tape and Lift put it, it above your head. It kind of came in and then he like stood on it and stomped it. Like when he literally, the tape was there, instead of grabbing it, he put his foot up and stomped down on it. Very weird. Mm, <laughs> uh, good on him. He won the race. Not criticising at all, it just felt a bit uncomfortable. Other news, uh, so Sarah True last week, if you haven't had a chance to go on uh, YouTube, actually I'll put a link to it, we have an interview that she put up on her own YouTube channel, uh, she crumbled with about 750 metres to go and she put a clip up about 13 minutes long, I watched the whole thing, uh, just talking a little bit about what happened and that whole thing of, because you know she is in Kona right now and could have she walked 17, 700 metres in 13 minutes, looking at the coverage, it ain't happening. And she happening. said she hadn't she hadn't watched the coverage of herself. Yeah. And I've talked to a couple of people about this, and I was like, "There's no way." No. She no. was making another 700 meters. No. Not <laughs> well, not in 13 minutes. If she had stopped, if she had a drink for 30 minutes or something like that, maybe. But maybe. You know, but not in 13, because she was kind of like, you know, if you ask me, you know, could I have gone? And I would have liked to have tried. And I was like, mate, you haven't seen yourself because yeah, <laughs> yeah, you weren't walking, walking at any speed at all. Uh, but it's, it's some, she had some really interesting points. So her dilemma is right now is does she go for Kona? And she didn't really give a conclusive answer to that. She kind of mm-hmm. said, I'll go back and talk to my coach. Um, but she was saying she's not necessarily that happy with the, the new point system. And she was saying that she feels that what there should be is kind of two two tiers of system. So the first tier is, sure, if you want a Kona, you're in. 
But then you should almost have a point system for the second tier because she said, I've pretty much raced all the championship races this year and I could have gone and cherry-picked some other race and got a qualifying slot, but I've chosen to be more aggressive in my way of going about doing mm-hmm. it and I've kind of been screwed for that reason. And I think I, I totally agree and, I, and I've said this from the outset that this winner-take-all sort of business, there's going to be some people who finish in second and third very close and they're screwed. And also the big disadvantage for going to Kona is there's all these other qualifying races around the Kona time where people are qualifying and you're in Kona and as she said, you know, she finishes very high up in Kona. She's got fourth. Doesn't count for anything. Yeah. Which I get that as well. And that's where the old point system was really good is if you did well in Kona and you, you got did top a regional 10, Top 10, wasn't it, in Kona? Well, it, you, you more or less, if you were top five, you're pretty much guaranteed. If you're okay. top 10, you right. probably just have to have an okay race somewhere. Yeah. So, so I agree with her, but um, I think she's going to be one of the very few that has been disadvantaged by the rule this year. And I think there's lots of advantages out of it in terms of not having to race quite so frequently. So I do agree with her, but I think she's going to be one of the very few. Well, the downfall is, it's a lesser Kona because she's not there. Yes, I agree. You know what I mean? Like, you know, but hey, that's sport. So I'm not saying she should get a free pass, mm-hmm. but it is a lesser Kona, top five athlete last year. And you know what? She was in, she should have won Germany without, you know, the heat. You know, she had two all. opportunities. She did Cairns before that. You've had two opportunities. You cocked it up. If yeah. you want to get it right, you go qualify early like other people. That's not a criticism. That's just it's the game you play, isn't the game it? game you play. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if she does try to pop one out pretty soon. Um, but it's a good race, that what Bevan's talking about there. What's that? Popping one out. Popping one out, yeah. yeah. Just pop one out in that race. Um, but uh, time will tell, but I would, I'd like to see her there. Oh, absolutely. You know? And uh, yes, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. John, what, what races have we got coming up? Very little. We've had so much to talk about lately in terms of banging out races week after week on good old k226.com. There is uh, bugger all coming up this weekend. There's the Keiki Triathlon in Japan. And there's the hits race in uh, Kingston, New York. And that's about it. There'll be lots of 70.3s and half-distance races. But, uh, yeah, I think we're starting to starting to slow down a little bit on the iron distance races from here on in. Yeah. And then, but although, when does the last race for qualifying? It'll be late I'm August, pretty sure it? it's mid to late August. It's like Wisconsin, isn't it, or something like that? No, I think Wisconsin goes into next year, I oh, think. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, John's ITU update. We had Hamburg open over the weekend. It sounds like oh, there's a bit of carnage. It was was it, was it good? Brilliant racing. Uh, so if you, don't, if you don't want to know the results. Five minutes. Um, five minutes or so, fast forward. Uh, rain, so we contrast last week. I know Hamburg is not Frankfurt, but we contrast all the races this weekend to last weekend. It seemed like it was raining everywhere in bloody Europe, and uh, Hamburg was no exception. So just carnage in the females' race first up. Um, Katie Zaveris crashed, uh, and so she was out of the game. She's won pretty much every race this season bar one. Uh, a few other crashes. It looked like Kiwi Girl might have even broken her collarbone. Oh, no. uh, and general carnage. And then uh, it was just brilliant to see non-Stanford just gunning it out of the transition and going away and getting back to her winning ways, having not won a race for ages. Uh, so it's good to see. And But the men's race, well, that was brilliant. And, and not, the women's race was good. And I, I don't want to be called a sexist pig or anything. Oh, no, the you men's can say race, one race is another. Yeah, men's race, you're going in and it just becomes warfare on the run again. Had a few crashes on the bike, took a few people out. One guy broke his leg. Jeez, it was not pretty. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, can't, the first guy, you're coming around this corner and the first guy leading the whole bloody peloton goes down and it's just carnage behind him. And one guy broke his leg and he was in the top 10 rankings. So one thing here, the guy last week who came out of nowhere, he got third. I know. So what's this guy? 
Uh, so Yelly Greens, he's he's found the found the key and he's onto it and he's he said back you know basically the reason and his the difference in his um, approach has been he didn't get injured over winter and he, he, he's he didn't always get injured. he didn't okay. every so other year he's been injured over winter so he's had a consistent winter of running there's something to say about that isn't there oh, yeah. you know because we all know that the key to success is consistency of training and if you get injured you know, and these guys, yeah. it's a good example, isn't it? Yeah, and and so he, but he he trains with Moller, with Vincent Louis, with Jake Birkwistle, and so he knows he's as good as them. But it must be so frustrating when you can't get the results. So he's finally figured it out and went one week. He's won one and then got a third. Uh, but it was just another fantastic run where you've just got a big bunch of guys together and just just dropping off one by one, and it basically came down to a more more or less a sort of six way sprint finish in the last 500 metres and the four big hitters that went one through four all trained together on a daily basis oh wow uh, and yeah just an awesome sprint Vincent Louis thought he had it he went early and Jake Birkwistle came over the top of him just at the finish and was was pretty dominant who was the last good Australian because Jake Birkwistle seems to be the, the next thing isn't he Oh, yeah, he, he's quality. Yeah, uh, and he's, he's, like, he's a real contender for gold yes you know yes. But, but who was the last Australian of this level um, in the men's racing, Royal was was he was okay. It's no, been a while. He hasn't had it? anybody for for a long time. Not since sort of the the Macca era, I don't think. From which is quite fascinating because when you look at the history of Australian triathlon, you know, not the early early days because it was very dom- American dominated, but that kind of nineties through early two thousands. Australia rocked at triathlon, didn't they? They did, and, that, and New Zealand was good in that period as well. And you kind of rested on your laurels, and the rest of the world caught up. Yeah. And and they've, to their credit, Australian of whatever they're doing over there is working. They've got a, a reasonable production line of good athletes. You know, there's only so many that can be at the top of the world. Seems like a nice guy, Jacob Bootwhistle, as well, doesn't he? Yep. But they're, they're producing some good athletes. So good on you, Aussies. Good Kiwi on boys Jacob. in the top ten. Oh, that was brilliant. So, so John Hancock wants me to actually set up a, a whole new segment. He said on the show. Oh, really? I'm sure. So International <laughs> Kiwi ITU update every week. So we had one fella um, who Wild? finished, Hayden Wild. He was running with the biggest kahunas in the world all the way until the last 500 metres. It was brilliant. So he is, uh, he's awesome. A- and okay, so he's, how old is he? He's 22? He's, yeah, he's a young fella. So he's, he's, got a, he, he's good over sprint. He's not there over Olympic yet. Uh, but he, he's, he, if he's up there at this race. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, nah, he needs a couple more years of maturity and he'll be he'll be oh, fine. And he's an so aggressive racer. Kiwi again. Yeah, but he, unfortunately he's just a bit weak in the swim, but he's a weapon on the bike as well. And Ryan Sisson's sprint finished for, for had a photo for uh, 10th and 11th, and he got 10th as well. So two Kiwis in the top 10, and we had a female in 11th, 11th place as well. Yeah. So go, you Kiwis. So Jake Burstwhistle took out the males, and... Uh, non-Stanford took out the females so from here we go back to Edmonton I reckon that's going to be a soft field because everybody's been travelling all over the world uh, and I reckon not many people are going to travel for that so that could be some easy points for some of the some of the athletes because a lot of them will now be focusing on Tokyo and Bevan's probably going to ask me what the date is for that and I think it's uh, early August what's the date? Hmm. <laughs> this week's discussion guys uh, what are some of the best trade-offs you have made when racing when you might lose some time initially in the hope that you won't lose big time later on e.g. last weekend we saw the pros starting uh, a pro starting to run with ice vests on which didn't seem to make that much of a difference but clearly going for be a little bit heavier but keeping them cooler over the race so what are some of the things that our listeners have done Jumbo? Uh, Florian Helg stopping and picking up your gel bottle should you ever drop it early in the bike and just generally taking it a bit easier in the early parts of the race in order to finish strong totally agree with you about dropping your nutrition it is time to stop and pick it up okay Aaron Retsky first of all 
I'm looking at her Facebook profile. And she's she, on. She's on today's show. She's one of the interviewees. Oh, is she? In, is she, she was, a she was on a Kona camp. Is she in the Navy? She is either in the Navy or the Air Force. So she flies planes. So I know. Because look yeah. at her, look at her, the plane on her Facebook profile. Oh, to shoot, she, yeah, yeah. Mate, yeah. don't mess with this one. Aaron's a legend. And she was a beast athlete as oh, well. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, now I've lost the thing because I've looked at her profile, so you read the thing. <laughs> oh, no, uh, here it is. Um, socks, always socks. I've also changed tri shorts and T2 for a dry pair on occasions. I've been well hydrated on the bike course. Guy Pilkington spending an extra two minutes to put on his Ingenigi toe socks. So they're the ones. Oh, the five fingers. With the, with the, the special um, sock in between all your toes. So it goes on like a glove. Why, would, why, would, why would you like that, I wonder? Um, well, I think for a lot of people, it reduces the blisters if you get blisters oh, between the toes. Okay. Nice. Um, never tried them myself. Uh, he put them on at T2 and Ironman Australia, made the marathon much more bearable, and there you go, and no blisters. Already had one going into the race, so wanted to be extra sure. The socks are pure gold. Uh, did, however, miss 10 hours by 34 seconds, but <laughs> the question mark remains Should would I put the socks been, on? been gone with the other socks? <laughs> Claire Leanne Slater's got sunscreen I've learned the hard way Being red, raw and able to sleep On top of an overstimulated body, race body Sunscreen certainly is worth the trade-off Oh, and socks I once de- uh, decided socks for an Olympic triathlon Triathlete race was not needed Unless I was wrong Blisters the size of 50 cent pieces And unable to run for over two weeks We all learn from our mistakes sometimes And so I think that sunscreen one is important Because A, after the race It's a hell of a lot more comfortable but if you get burnt in a race, you get as burnt well. during the race. Your body's trying to fight that yeah. um, so trauma. It's energy elsewhere, elsewhere, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Mark Funkster Brooks, mostly clothing ones. Um, I'm quite happily in early season races. Put on a long sleeve top uh, to put uh, maybe gloves and even some DIY bottles to keep my feet from freezing. So when I start the run, I can at least feel them. Good on Mark Sissons has got stopped to kiss the wife at the, as when I exited Come T1 and I am in Boulder. Well, I know somebody who was going at the finishing shoot and didn't kiss his Come wife. Come Mark, you're a real Kiwi. Stop that rubbish Stop talk. The uh, changing the socks and T2, both comes with their rewards. Boom, chicka, boom, boom. Um, yes, go on. How now, brown cow, dolphin? Uh, I stopped about 15 times in Ironman France, which was last weekend, uh, to lie on a plant sprinkler and soak my upper half. I was so hot, this got my core temperature down. And then he's posted some pictures because the, the, the run in Ironman France goes up and down the Promenade des Anglais, which is, go, which is just a big boardwalk, and it's got sprinklers, and he's just, he's just sitting there. He's hanging over the sprinkler. I think that's a, it's a fair strategy, that one, Mark. I like it. Tra- trademark it, how? That is absolutely go on our Facebook page, check this out. He's, he's basically squatting down. He's, yeah. he's like he's got his mouth over the sprinkler. Scott Bevel, and pee while on the bike to save yourself time from having to pee in the porta potties. Totally agree. Yeah, I've yep. just got the challenge I can't bloody do it in the last race. And I struggled with the one before that. Ed Hawkins has got Irene Ironman career 2000 level of a camelback on throughout the whole run until a K from the finish line. It was a super hot day and the camelback was filled with ice so I had cold liquid in ever I uh, wanted rather than just at each aid station every two kilometres. It was a little bit heavy but worked out as I treated myself for qualified for Kona. However, it didn't help with the sunburn. He, oh my God. That is, that is. It's horrendous. Oh, that is. That, you, there's Red John yeah. and then there's the Devil Red. And he's got the he's like he's got devil wings on. Red John, that's he's off. Uh, Red John is off. Uh, what was that TV program? The Mentalist. Know. Oh, I didn't watch the Mentalist. Mentalist. No, it is, oh, oh, is it good? 
Yeah, it was. It's a long series, though. It's a bit rich on. Uh, Johnny Fallis, if he's, he's, he's taking the next level. If it's hot, it's the three S's. We've had lots of people saying socks, and he also says fresh socks. Plenty of sunscreen for a second S, and then the sunnies. If it's cold, a bike jacket and gloves. Just Christine McKinley, the grinder, has got here just one thing. Uh, putting so talks on, uh, two socks on, which we've heard a lot, but also putting Vaseline between your feet. Nice. I've never heard of that one either. So it's good tips there, John. Any you do? Well, one that I've inadvertently, we were talking about sunscreen before. So when I race now, I wear this long sleeve skin suit, which I, uh, long sleeve top, which I put on in T1. And that does cost me a little bit of time. And in one instance, it did mean I forgot to take off my my swim skin. But my my main rationale for doing that was was aerodynamics. There's some really good stuff showing that you can make significant uh, gains by being, you know, having having a, having a sort of skin suit on. So that was my main rationale. But since I've been wearing it, actually that protection from the sun has been equally beneficial, both racing in New Zealand and in Kona. So I don't really get sunburned at all anymore. Uh, and so that's been really, really helpful. Uh, it also... And you, you don't know, have to worry about putting sunblock on either. Yeah, and people go, well, bloody hell, you're wearing a long sleeve in Kona. But the by covering myself in water frequently during the ride I really don't overheat uh, any more so than I would if I wasn't wearing it at all so when so. you say it, like is it like a skin like is it tight tight oh yeah it is <laughs> it's not hot sorry it's not hotter than you know, no, feel, wow. no especially when you keep it cold if, you, if it was just dry it would be a bit hotter yeah. but there's it's you know the days this is all about trade-offs and it's that trade-off yeah. so maybe it is a fraction hotter yeah, but, you feel but if I keep it cool it's okay and the big bonus I get is aerodynamics but also uh, protecting me from the sun. So that's probably the main one. Uh, the other ones that I've seen on there that I would definitely heavily endorse is if you drop your nutrition. If I drop my nutrition in a race, I'm stopping and I'm picking that up. Yeah. Uh, obviously, unless it smashes on, on the road. Um, and the only other one I'd say oh, that well, I... There's a really obvious one, walk-run strategy. Walk-run strategy, yes. Um, totally agree with that. And then the one other one that I would really struggle to do this in a race... But if I was more of a middle of a packer to back of the packer that was more concerned about, you know, you're, you're going at a, a lower intensity, you want to be comfortable, um, would be stopping and actually stretching on the bike a little bit. And I, I certainly do this in training from time to time, is if I get to start getting a sore back and stop and go and stretch my hammies for a couple of minutes, God, so much more comfortable. I don't normally get a sore back in, uh, when I'm racing, but um, that would be something if I knew I was going to have back issues. Uh, preempting it and doing it early on it would be massively important and I think would gain a lot of time have, later have you, on. Have you ever had back problems? Um, not in a race, really. No. Um, but I've certainly got a bit of back tightness, but not probably enough to the extent that I'd want to stop and stretch. Yeah. But in training, certainly, like when I go to Epic Camp, I'll be stopping at uh, aid stations. And that's one of the first things I Four try fold. to do is, is stretch out those hammies. Um, John, I, don't, I really can't recall me having anything that I really did. Uh, anything I did that kind of... You, well, you put it, I remember you put it, we both uh, put on bike jerseys and wrote that time we did oh, it. Yeah, uh, yeah, and there was yeah. lots of other people, the first time, the well, second time you did it and the first time I did it, the weather was pretty shy or pretty cold. Yep. And there was people out there freezing in speedos and stuff. Yep. And I was like, why did you just not put some extra clothes on? Whenever you do is often your goggles. No goggle strategy? Yes, I used to do the no goggle strategy. Don't You've miss. done it in Ironman, but in short course you'd do it. Yeah, short course I used to do it just to reduce the risk of um, goggles getting smashed off. But as you get older, those things <laughs> just go for the comforts a little bit more, but certainly didn't use to do it. I can't think of any others. You know, maybe just making sure you've got the right gear in transition. Mm. Uh, but no, no I don't th- not that I recall at least. Okay, John, let's do a sponsor. 
Are we going to do this week's topics? Oh, this week's topics. Okay. What pros do the best job of leading you into their world with YouTube, Facebook, and other social media, and why do you think they're so good to follow? So we want to hear who you think is you know, a good follow on you know, one of these social media worlds. What preempted this week was watching that Sarah True video, which yeah. was fantastic. She put it up there. It was like a 13 or 14-minute interview with herself. Good honest. Good honest, and you're going, right. Now I know what's going on. And so if somebody like after wrote this weekend, we're sitting here going, what was wrong with Cam Worth on the, on the bike there? Man, if he put this stuff up like Lionel Sanders does and just does a bit of a post race, maybe he does. I don't know. I don't, I'm not really on social media very often. Uh, but I'd love to sort of see that stuff so you really get to understand what's been going on. So who's good at it? Okay, John's sponsor. Extreme Endurance. Galactic buffer. We've been telling you guys for donkey's years how good this stuff is um if you're still not convinced you can go on and especially if you're a tight ass uh the, the, to buy a whole pack for a month's worth is is not uh, going to break the bank but if you're really not convinced you can go on there and they do have a one week supply and i'm convinced that if you just use that for like a b race you'll, say you'll take get it enough for, to get a enough take it for say the six five to six days before the day of the race and the day after and you'll notice the difference and then you're only shelling out i think it's 1395 um and the proof will be in the pudding so get on it xendurance.com go get yourself a one week supply or go get yourself a month supply um especially if you're paying shipping it's probably better off just get the month but if you're not if you're still a skeptic you know I still have people I coach sometimes say, have you been taking your extreme insurance? I, I'm going to take it this time. And I'm like, what the hell? Mm. Do you listen to the show? And uh, sometimes you just you can't assume anything. And they go, oh, yeah, I'm still a bit sceptical. And I'm like, here's a question for you, John. I'm not that much what, of a bullshitter. What's the most frustrating thing about being a coach? Um, most frustrating. If I have to put a number one. Oh, just... The inability to execute on race day when you've got a plan, you've said you're going to do something, yeah. and then you throw it out the window. Yep. And I was feeling good. Yeah. <laughs> the first 10, you know, you're supposed to be riding at XYZ wattage and do not go above XYZ heart rate, and then they go and do that and then have a shit run. You're like, well, you don't really learn very much from that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that would be the number one. Just poor, it's poor execution. It's amazing. It's sports' biggest problem, isn't it? People not sticking to a plan. Mm. You know, and, 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 like I always teach my runners, if you look at your time, you're going faster than what your plan is. You're telling you're running your race. You know, get that mindset in place. Um, and still, people do it. Yeah. Oh, and, and nothing about the training tells them they can run that fast for the distance. Oh, I'm just I was feeling great, and I blew up. I was like, Come on, you schmuck! <laughs> <laughs> but X Endurance, John, that would solve that problem. Check it out, xendurance.com. And remember, we don't have a discount code nowadays, but you can join their club, which gives you an overall discount throughout the year as you use their products. Also, check out some of the other products when you go there, xendurance.com. John, I'm a I'm vetoing the high five. Uh, I'm, I'm doing it. One, two, three, four, high five. John, I think you've done it 20 times on the show in the past. Uh, I, uh, people keep making the same mistakes. Oh, okay. It's like coaching. So <laughs> when you're traveling to a race, here's a high five. Number one, put your shoes, your pedals, your helmet, and a set of swim gear and running shoes in your hand luggage. A guy who trained with Tyrone said, mate of his went over to France, didn't have any of the stuff, got there, get and turn up, he was screwed. Uh, number, number, point number two. I is, just have as above. As above. Point number three, as above. Oh, so, okay. Point number four, as above. Point number five, when you're traveling, carry a spare rear derailleur hanger. That's the part that holds your rear derailleur onto your bike. That's the number one part. Well, that's some bikes get, you can't get spare ones, can you? Some of them are a part of the frame. Uh, there's not many, not many. If any. Um, so get a spare derailleur hanger. Okay, so that's actually that. you only have one point. Two. Two, okay. High two. 
<laughs> Coach's <laughs> corner. corner. I'm, not, I'm not adding music, John, because I've got to get paid tonight. So, we're, okay, we've got a question here through coming through from Ian Blaylock. 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 Um, I've got a question for Coach John. Um, might be better answered by DC Rainmaker, but I'm sure he would have an idea. Many of us are fortunate to have two bikes, a TT and a road bike. What is the comparability between power meters if you are lucky enough to have one of each bike? For sake of argument, assume two different makes of power meters. Ian, I'm in exactly that situation. I've got a road bike and a TT bike, and I have two different sort what of kind power of bike meters. Do you have, John? I have got the fantastic Cube. I'm going to do a product review on that coming up shortly. So on my Cube um, TT, I've got a power to max, and then on my road bike, I have a stages. So both measuring from slightly different points. For, for me, um, no, I guess to answer your question, Ian, there's no set formula you can use. You basically got to go out there and do a bunch of testing to figure out what's right for you. There definitely is differences for most people. Um, part of that is because of the way that you sit on the bike and the way that you generate your numbers. Uh, there's also can be differences between different power meters. And equally, I'd also say for people who do their training on smart trainers, there's another difference between um, what you might see on your power meter versus what what your smart trainer is saying. So potentially you've got three bikes, three devices, you may a have lot of confusion. three slightly different sets of zones. So um, I'm just I'm going to ignore that uh, smart trainer one. What you want to do with your road bike is basically go out and do some testing to establish how your zones set up compared to your TT bike. So I'm going to assume with your TT bike, you've got it all dialed in, you know what your FTP is, you know what your zones are, and also probably the most important part of this is you know what your heart rates are at different zones. So you know that when you're riding FTP, your heart rate is XYZ. When you're riding an Ironman pace, your heart rate is XYZ. So then what you need to go and do is go and do uh, an uphill FTP test um, or an uphill 20-minute time trial and then compare that against what you do on a flat TT. And a lot of people I know may may well not have a 20-minute climb. In Christchurch, we're kind of blessed in that regard. We've got climbs, we've got flats, we haven't got too much rolling stuff. And then go out and compare what you do in an uphill TT versus a flat TT. Now, the reason why it's really important to do a long um, uphill time trial is lots and lots of people who they say, oh, you might, I, I produce so much more power when I'm going uphill. But that's based off really short efforts um, in many cases. You know, maybe a three to five minute climb. Yeah, you really can produce quite a bit more power and it seems like it's quite a bit easier. But when you actually extrapolate that out and you're actually looking for your FTP, which is like your one hour effort, either on the flat or the uphill, um, what I find in most instances, the numbers are not as massively different as what people might think. So what you, I guess at the end of the day, what you're trying to do is to establish what your uphill power is at the same heart rate that your FTP is at. And so for me, it's actually really quite close. So when I'm doing FTP work on the flat, my heart rate, once it's up and sort of settled, is, is around about 155. And equally, you know, I did a hard 20-minute effort, uh, a couple of 20-minute efforts on Saturday heart rate's basically the same. If I was to do a shorter um, hill climb, it's going to be quite a bit lower. So you just got to go out and do some testing, start comparing heart rates. So many people these days start throwing their heart rate monitor away and they just blindly go off power. Um, But it is a very, very valuable tool for both training and racing. And then what you've got to go and do on your road bike as well is then go and do something similar on the flat. So maybe instead of doing a 20-minute time trial, you might go out and ride, say, a one-hour effort 
at your Ironman um, power and then again compare heart rate on your TT bike with what what your road bike is and then you've kind of got to tweak it from there so there's no um, set formula between all this sort of stuff it's a case of doing trial and error equally if you're on the smart trainer bit of trial and error and then you may go okay uphill my FTP is 250 when I'm actually on the flat it might be 240 and then my kicker or whatever smart trainer you've got somewhere in between so yeah it's quite feasible that you're going to have different sorts of zones uh, and do use your heart rate monitor um, because that's the number one thing that's going to tell you sort of what effort you're going to be doing but you've got to make sure that your reps are long enough that your heart rate actually responds and gets up uh, and the other thing I'd say Ian is you really need to be doing you know once once you're into the main part of your Ironman build up or your race build up is you want to be doing a lot of your work on your TT bike road bike's fantastic for going and doing really hilly stuff and when it's quite technical it's like a racing. But yeah you want to be mostly on your TT bike getting spending long periods in your TT position assuming your course is you know not Norse man or Ember man or some crazy, crazy ass hilly, hilly course. But good question because there is some, some differences there. Well, that's also just another question. How do you get better at holding position? Like I know, I know you got, the answer is pretty simple, but. Well, yeah, the, the simple answer is spend more time in that position. But that but can be that, hard as well, can't that it? That can be hard. But then secondly, um, play around with your position a little bit. I saw Mike Phillips, he went and did some, some aero testing uh, over in Australia and, um, from an aerodynamic point of view, he's lifted his uh, handlebar, handlebar oh, really? pads a bit, and, and I've seen other examples. So there's always this theory that you got to go as low as you possibly can, yeah. and that doesn't always hold true. So don't. The best example of that ever was who, John? Bjorn Anderson. Bjorn Anderson, man, his yeah. handlebars were literally on the ground. <laughs> yeah, they were. <laughs> they were like they were literally like in line with the wheel, weren't they? Oh, he was. He was low. He was a big unit, and he was tall. Yeah. But he, he was able to hold that position, didn't run so to his potential. But um, yeah, so I guess to answer your question, yeah, you do need to get used to it, but then there's a flexibility issue there. Uh, and then you've got to trade off those aerodynamics and the lowest is not always the fastest. Okay, John, let's go website of the week. Now, we've got a really interesting website through, and you, I imagine many of you guys have heard about this, but um, there's a website called marathoninvestigation.com, and there's, there's been a lot of, it was kind of a sad story in the end. A guy by the name of Frank Menza, who is basically the world record holder for the marathon time in the age group of, in the 70s, running like a 2.52, but it had been proven to be that he'd been kind of cheating in a few races, and, and there's this, this website, Marathon Investigation, does a lot of hard work to prove people wrong. Um, and basically, this is the whole premise of the website is to catch people cheating in marathons. But unfortunately, he passed away. And it seems, based on CNN, that it may actually be a suicide. Ah. Yeah. So there's not been conclusive. The coroner hasn't actually said anything. But it, at this stage, police said they haven't ruled out suicide as the cause. Um, Tim Tansley tagged this, tagged me in, or tag, tagged us in on Facebook to, to alert us to, to this. Um, and I, I didn't actually read that particular story, but there's a, there's a bunch of other ones where it's just so obvious that they're wrong. You know, uh, it's just weird how some people rationalise these stuff. Like, you start the race, you go and ride your bike around half the course. It's clearly impossible. There's timing chips on the race, and it's like, 
what are you thinking? And the, the thing with the timing companies now is they can pick up on all this sort of stuff now, and it's well, that's why obvious. these websites can exist because they can kind of do the research. Yeah, um, and they did have lots of photos and stuff. But I think right now it's probably not the best subject because obviously it's a pretty sad time for his family. But um, you know, like if you cheat nowadays, you, 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 there's a much higher chance. It's like people who do the fake qualifying now. There's websites who literally will catch people who have, you know fake a race to get to the Boston Marathon or something like right. that. Right. You know, and they literally look at results. Like, these are some train spotters out there, aren't they? You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like, they basically created a business out of just catching people who cheat. But, you know what? If you're a cheat, you're a cheat. You know, so, but on this front, uh, just, you know, obviously Frank's family's probably going through a pretty tough time right now. Age group of the week. week. So, did you just pull this one out of your butt? Or? No, I did not pull this one out of my butt. Um, David Aikinson. Uh, Dr. David Aikinson. Is there a doctor in the house? Well, the, in this case, there is because I saw it was Dr. Cameron Pl- uh, Cameron Worth at the weekend. You know, oh, how we did last year, before. yeah. Pref- we've had like Professor um, Joe Skipper and, yeah, and a um, bunch of others because uh, you, you, you must have to select, you know, we're Mr., Mrs., whatever. Yep. Anyway, this guy is a doctor, Dr. David Atkinson. He was actually based out in Christchurch. Uh, up until the end of last summer, but he's a pommy fella. Uh, he went off and did his first iron distance race at Rote at the weekend. Uh, his first? First. And did this time? 57 minute swim, 4.47 on the bike, uh, 3.01 on the run, well 8.49, 4.41 on debut. For an age grouper, that's pretty solid. And he works legit, you know, he's a doctor. Yeah, doctors work. He gets some crazy hours. Fair enough with doctors, sometimes you get the odd day off here. I think he's locoming. And Rote wasn't a fast year this year. Well, it's interesting um, you say that because I, I checked this. He went 8.49. Yep. Uh, Which is the same. You did 8.48, didn't you? No, I did 8.50-something or other. Yep. He was 34th there. Last time I raced, I was 35th, but I was about five minutes slower than that. Oh, okay, so actually um, in the age group race, it's yeah. probably about par. The one thing with Rote, it's really hard to tell where you finished because I went into in, in your age group because I went into his age group, the 30 to 34, and he had all the pros in there, so I couldn't actually tell hey, where, where he was placed. David, screw you. <laughs> don't, don't, don't turn up to your first Ironman and beat the boys in your first race. Mate, come yeah. on. That's an impressive Ironman debut. Mate, that's a bloody impressive. I'm not happy with you, David. Dr. David. <laughs> Dr. David, you legend. Anyway, let's, let's give him some love. Dr. David, love your work in your first road and first Ironman 849. How many people go sub nine in your first Ironman? It's, very a, it's a very rare thing. So, bloody good work. David, Dr. David Atkinson, you are our age group of the week. week. Okay, John, um, where are we? We're going to go through and we're going to talk about winger of the week. Who is it this week, John? Well, <laughs> this is could be. Uh, when I checked earlier, uh, let's see if it's still the same as what it was when I checked earlier today. Yes, it is. So, Steve from Future Endurance, he managed to swim. 1193 hours in one week. Now, is that a, is that, is that a mistake? Well, you would think so. Oh, no, 1100 I, hours. I was thinking, yeah, of course I looked is. at that and I thought, <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, no, that, I did the same. I went, hmm, A, surely not. Yeah. And B, there's not, many there's not that many hours in a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Steve, sort out your profile there because he did take out the uh, yeah, number one wonder, spot. He? No wonder. And that was swimming he as well. time. Yeah, I yeah. don't know how that one, how the, how how that got through. He's the a superhero, John. He went to another dimension. So anyway, a proper age, a proper wang of the week this week. Seth beating. Uh, he is going over to France as well. So that's a bit of a concern when he's spanking out these weeks and he's going to crush me over there. So he was our total uh, duration winner. And then on the, we've got to give a bit of love to a friend of the show who did the longest activity. It was running for eighteen hours and seven minutes. Was Andrew Charles? 
Oh, Charlesy. You know, and that was legit because I saw he did some stupid ultra long distance race and he would have been going for 18 Is Charlesy a patron? Charlesy, become a bloody patron. You can game. afford to get a bike to do Kona. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to give you a bike nickname basically and give you a hard time about Kona. Yes. So, Charlesy, sharpen up, be a patron of the show. You know you're listening, mate, right now, but, mate. But well done on doing this crazy We are the ultra. reason you got to do Kona last year. Because the story is, remember, That's true. the story was, remember last year where they had, what, what was the brand of bike? Ventum. Ventum got some free entries to Kona, and it was a bit controversy, and everyone was like, who would want to take up that? And Charlesy was listening to the show at like three in the morning, and he, he woke up and he goes, I'm buying the bike. <laughs> <laughs> so, he, so, mate, yeah, because I want to give you a nickname. So, Charlesy, the up. Brisbane Trail Ultra. He ran 111.51 kilometers with 4,314 meters of excuse me of climbing it's a long time to be on your legs thank you john let's go questions and answers answers. it's more of a website uh pretty interesting website but but we're actually a few weeks ago we had andrew messick on the show um and we actually had to cut this out because the pr people after the fact we after we did the interview said we actually don't want to release it yet but he did talk about the fact that the ipo is coming up soon and now it's official um, and what's great thing about an IPO is companies have to kind of open up their books and so we can kind of see what's the, the insides of the company. Uh, and there's some interesting insights. So they only make $61 million a year, which I think... No, no, this, this isn't official yet. This is a guy who wrote an article for Triathlete Mag, uh, triathlete.com. Yep. And he's uh, he's basically knows his business about all this stuff and has speculated all this stuff based oh, off turnover. Okay. And so a lot of this is speculative, but it's probably about right. accurate enough. Yeah. The interesting thing for me out of this, I'm not really that interested in all this stuff. I mean, who owns Iron Man? I mean, it's just going to change from from company to company. But at the end of the day, well, no, as, we could buy it after this. I know, but at the end of the day, they're still going to be producing races, so I know we could buy it. And as long well, as it's a discussion of the week, isn't it? It's that whole thing of will you buy Iron Man shares? Mm-hmm. But what was interesting for me that I didn't know this yeah. was they have to to pay a license fee to Marvel to use Iron Man. Imagine if Marvel turned around and said, screw you, you can't have that license anymore, thanks very much. Yeah. What would they do then? That, well, that'd be massive, wouldn't it? I wonder how big that license fee is. They could charge, They could just keep ramping, ratcheting Well, with up. us seeing this big business build into this big brand. Yeah. That's where all our entry fees go. It's so I wonder, I wonder when that, part, that started. I'd yeah. be really interested to know when that actually started because, you know, back in the 80s and in the 70s, Mm-hmm. You know, Iron Man comics would have been bigger than Iron Man racing, mm-hmm. and then built and built and built. And now it's this big, big multi-billion-dollar business. Um, pretty interesting stuff. But I'll put a, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's so just an interesting read if you want to kind of in look terms at the of revenue of and all that sort of yeah, stuff. And yeah. how Iron Man is not that big a part of the the overall business. You know, there's a lot of other areas where this company's making money. And but the, but the selling of that's being sold off is the sports group. Mm. So it's Wanda Sports Group. It's not Wanda as an overall. Mm. Uh, Wanda is a big conglomerate that has lots of businesses, but they are getting just rid of the sports wing, which is kind of, you know, kind of mainly the Ironman branding stuff mm. or the Ironman kind of, you know, now all the marathon races and stuff as well, the rock and roll and all that kind of stuff. So you can check that out. It's a pretty interesting article. It is going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, and one thing that we could probably talk about now with Andrew Messick is because we asked him, where do you see your future? And he did kind of say when we interviewed him that he's not quite sure if he'll be around much after the IPO because mm. um, he's just not sure if he's going to be the right person for that role and so on. So it'll be interesting to watch his career because when we think about the legacy of Andrew Messick, he's done a pretty good job, hasn't he? Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. like, you know, 
Um, when we think of who, who was it before him? Jim Furyk? Uh, ben Furtick. Yeah, Ben, yeah. We weren't a big fan of him, were we? No, no, no. no. But Andrew seems to have come in and done. You know, no one's perfect, but overall, mm. he's done a pretty good job. So um, that's pretty much it on that front, John. But I, I see. Oh, let's do the interviews. Yeah, we've got interviews coming up. So we've got four interviews coming up from Epic Camp uh, Kona. So who are they, John? So first up, we're going to have Erin, who you heard from Bevan before. She's in the. I don't know, the flying one, the oh, Air she's Force a, she's one. A flying she's a flying one. one, the Air Force one. Uh, so she's American. She had a trooper. She was a real trooper week, went really strong, kept a number of the guys really, oh, really I honest all the way through, uh, and no nonsense, and she had a good, strong race. So you're going to hear from her. You're going to hear from uh, Joel and Scott, who are both Kona qualifier uh, standard athletes. Do I know Joel? Did Joel and Scott come to another yep, they, they came to do Road as well. Yep, lovely um, guys. Lovely guys. guys. So you hear a little bit from them. A lot of these interviews... You know, yeah, it's it's hard when you're being interviewed by the person you kind of know and you've been with all week, yeah. and you kind of think oh, you're having a nice little chat, but it's all good stuff. And then you got Kylie uh, Cox, who you gave the nickname. Well, I see it's been vetoed. Well, no, it hasn't been a vetoed. Kylie's gonna have the option. Hot chick. Yeah, uh, Kylie Hot Chick Cox. Come on. She was on support crew. Uh, she was out running tonight with the little group. Uh, I she saw her this week. She came around to my house this week. Nice. Yep. Uh, and then finally, we hear from Mr. Sausage, Ollie Jenner, who's support Ladies. crew extraordinaire. Uh, and all those guys race. The support crew uh, athletes race. They do some of the training as well, but in general, uh, look after all the bots. And so listen up. And if you want to come to Kona next year, get in touch. So, Aaron Resky. The race yesterday, how did you do? I did about as well as I think I could have done based on my fitness and all the training we did leading into it. I didn't exactly taper, so um, I was happy with it. It was hard. It was a tough day, a really hard course for sure. Probably yeah. one of the hardest I've ever done, yeah. So, but it was, it was tough, and I think I did pretty well. I was happy with it. You and Kylie Cox were very close. <laughs> yeah, I think we changed. Uh, we went back and forth all day, um, so it was kind of fun. It was fun having somebody to to kind of chase after all day for yeah. sure it definitely made it more interesting so what was the story about you in the bag in t2 <laughs> both of my transitions were absolutely um ridiculous circus mess <laughs> essentially um t1 i went through and ran right past my bike because i was chasing kylie and her bike was racked you know good like couple yards away from mine so i had to turn around and go back and then t2 i went i changed all my stuff not in the changing tent prior to the changing tent and i didn't know i was supposed to drop my bag so i actually ran out of t2 carrying my bag and had to turn around and go back in to drop it off so yeah i did a lot of circles in transition which added a lot of time to my day <laughs> so let's talk a bit about the 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 camp itself yeah uh, there have been some pretty tough days there were some very hard days i remember uh when john first sent out the list of what we were doing every day i was very very intimidated by it for sure um especially knowing we were racing at the end but um the ride the rides were amazing for sure but they were long and a lot of climbing and i'm from virginia beach where it's super flat so <laughs> it definitely added a, a level level of uh, difficulty that i wasn't used to a lot of changes in in environment in in you know one race is one, one day is really hot the next day is really cold yeah absolutely yeah climbing up to i mean the first day when we did the actual kona course it was hot all day and then you went up to javi and it was raining and chilly and then same thing with the volcano ride where it was warm at the start and then at the end it was like torrential downpour <laughs> and chilly like i lost feeling in my toes at one point <laughs> when we finished so uh it made it interesting it kept the day kind of broken up for sure yeah. do you think that being on the camp helped you on the race uh yeah absolutely um 
it definitely acclimated us to the heat for sure because i mean when i left virginia beach it was probably like the low 70s and it's hot and humid here so that definitely helped us get used to like fighting through the heat and nutrition wise trying to figure it out Hmm. what to do on race day so did you enjoy it i loved it (laughs) i absolutely loved it i think i've been talked into doing the uh the challenge rope one so (laughs) cool (laughs) it'll be fun all right thanks Aaron. yeah Scott Schumacher, Joel Bell, both very strong performers. Joel, how was your race? I was decent. Uh, swim and bike were good, and then run. I just don't. Uh, I've been here three times racing on the Big Island, and just don't do well in the heat on the run. I just haven't figured it out yet. So. Yeah, it is very hot, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean it's hot at home too. Not yet this year, so. Yeah. But we've been here for a week, so I was hoping that was going to help out a lot. Um, and it may have, but, and I just didn't have the will on the run to really, I wasn't here to try to qualify for anything, so I didn't have any particular goals, so kind of didn't have anything, any determination to really, you know, hurt myself any more than it already was, so <laughs> kind of like one foot in front of the other, get to the end, unfortunately, yeah, underperformed a bit. Scott, you, you were second in, in your age group, how was your race? Yeah, um, I think actually I was third, but it, oh. <laughs> it went it went well, yeah, I think uh, the being we had talked a lot during the camp about all the training going in. It was a little bit intimidating to see how we would perform on the day, but that balanced, I think with being out here and being a little more acclimatized, like Joel said, we live pretty close to each other where the, the weather hadn't quite shifted. So, um, but I did, I definitely felt like I didn't, I, I worked well or uh, well in the heat much better than I thought I would have, um, having trained out here all week. So, but yeah, it was, it was, it's a tough run, you know, the, a lot of twists, turns, little ups and downs. You're running on the grass, back on pavement. So that part was was kind of tough. Um, but all in all, yeah, it ended up being a pretty good day for me. Yeah, the, the grass is the grass is quite a challenge, isn't it, to run? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's nice in the sense that it's it's soft and springy. So if you don't get too caught up in in what your pace is doing, because it's it's definitely going to take. Mm. It's definitely not as fast as running on blacktop. Um, but at the same time, it's it's cushiony. So it's it's nice from that aspect. But you just have to not let it get in your head that it's slow and it feels slow too yeah, you know yeah yeah so let's talk a bit about the the camp some very different days and some very yeah tough days uh, the camp was great i mean it's so this this camp as opposed we did wrote back last year and the, they're very different so this this is a training camp that culminates with with a race as to me i saw it as part of a big you know, the race itself was even part of a big training block so you're, we're, we did some big miles and some long days. We did five, six hours on the bike a couple of days with a lot of climbing. And, uh, I mean, way more than I would ever consider doing prior to a race. And in contrast, Rote was much more of a, a tapering prep, course recon, get to see the area, but you're, it's, very, it's lower volume and lower impact because there's not as much climbing and stuff there either. So this was a, a neat experience for sure. And, and for me, this is kind of the start of my – we're both doing Ironman Wisconsin in September, so – this is kind of the kickoff to my training for that. So I just saw this as a hit it hard all week long, and the race kind of is what it is. If it suffers, that's no big deal. You know, it's just part of getting ready for September. Yeah, it's got some very, very, very different environments um, each day. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, it was, I'm, on the climb to Harvey during our long ride, it was raining and cold. Well, almost got kind of chilly. Um, whereas the you know, days of the volcano, it was pouring rain and um yeah getting quite chilly and then you have all the obviously all the other days where it's really hot and steamy and and you're sweating going through bottles like crazy on the bike but uh yeah so there's a little bit of everything you know you don't didn't expect this first time i've been here um when it's rained like that the other other time i've been it was you know just always hot so yeah it definitely uh, shifted a little bit so but it made it good it made it worthwhile yeah 
Will you come again? 100%. Yeah, I would definitely. Yeah, I mean, uh, the island's a special place. And, uh, you know, when I did Ironman a couple years ago out here, I had an okay race. It's still, it's obviously a really long and really, really tough day. And I think coming out here, it definitely helped me, I think, acclimatize, I mentioned before, with the with the heat and felt like I had a much stronger race overall. Um, obviously, you're going half the distance, so it makes it a little bit easier. It's not as challenging, but uh, yeah, it was it was great. And obviously, always the people. Um, had a handful of people that had done rote last year that came over um, and seeing them again I, I think that always yeah. makes the best the best part yeah. of the camp so. that was that was definitely cool to meet up with I mean half half the people here were people we met last year and wrote and so that was cool to see and our buddy Adam here he's taken off but uh, you know he's helped wrangle us all together to do this <laughs> so you know it was, it was great we, we had a fun week you know we trained relaxed ate drank laughed just had fun you know so yeah it was awesome Carly Cox, you have been massaging people, you have been looking after them as support crew, and you've done the race as well. Have you enjoyed it? Oh, yeah, I've loved every minute of it, actually. Like, getting the opportunity was a bit of bit out of the blue. I uh, must admit, I wasn't really sure what to expect, but it's just been amazing, actually. Yeah, really yeah you had a problem to start with because your your you arrived, but your bike went somewhere else. Uh, was that frustrating? Uh, yeah, you know me. Just took it with, rolled with the punches. But um, yeah, I had no bike, no gear, no luggage for about a day and a half, two days. So everyone got used to my same outfit, which I haven't been able to face wearing since. So, um, but you know, like... I wasn't, my primary thing wasn't here to train or do the training at the start and it meant that I managed to escape some of the bike riding which was probably quite good. (laughs) So when we actually got into the race there was quite a battle between you and Erin Reske. Were you aware that the rest of us were watching the pair of you quite as closely as we were. <laughs> I knew Annette would be. She had uh, she had quite the ticket on the, the matchup. But um, no, I think, you know, I had a lot of respect for Erin all through the camp. She's blimmin' machine, like her riding and stuff. So it was fun to, yeah, kind, I guess kind of see where you match up against an, an American. They're always pretty fast. So, yeah, we had a good battle I, I smoked her on the transitions, Erin, if you're listening, you'll have to work on that for next year. And uh, yeah, we took turns on the run, did half each. Unfortunately, she passed me 12k and came in a minute or so ahead of me. So how was how was the race? Because the, the swim was a little long, wasn't it? Yeah, the swim was interminable. It was, um, felt, I just, yeah, it felt like it went on forever. But I mean, it always makes it easier when you can see the sea life underneath and you can see the people you're trying to follow. So I, um, that was good and probably went without incident really for me. Um, the bike was frustrating. I didn't really, I knew that when I got on the bike, it just wasn't going to be a great day. For some reason I had quite sore legs I had a really sore back I couldn't get into the groove in aero position so I did a reverse uh, maneuver and tried to attack the hills and conserve on the flat and go downhill as fast as possible so maybe it evened out but wasn't my best day on the bike and the run actually the run probably didn't go as badly as I anticipated even though it was terribly slow I managed to hit the aim of running the whole run apart from some aid stations where I couldn't bustle my way through but um yeah managed to run it all but it was 
yeah, it's probably the slowest half marathon I've done ever, standalone or off the bike. So wasn't pretty. Um, felt kind of strong, but just not fast at all. So it's a tough run, though, isn't it? Over that that spongy golf grass. Yeah, I think if you're looking at it from the outside, you'll see slow times and you'll just think about the heat. But yeah, it was a it was a mixture of things. You know, it's a really different course. It's yeah over grass, then over longer grass or wet sort of grass and then some paths and then some turns and some tunnels and some hot bits and yeah it was it's quite different like like it's not really like any other run course you've ever done but uh I had a couple of aims one was to catch Adam the flipper Philby got him managed to catch Ollie Mr Sausage Jenna managed to catch Dr Feelgood um just couldn't catch Erin so yeah few few small small wins so your secret power is producing salad do you want to give us a few tips about that yeah well little did they know they invited me into the support crew and I would uh, boost salad production by a hundred percent and edibility by two hundred percent so yeah just got to keep working on my salad game for next year the Americans had never seen a roast vegetable salad, so that was pretty epic. Imagine putting beetroot, feta and spinach with some walnuts together. It's quite, yeah, obviously. Just, yeah, a hidden talent. I've sort of learnt that all from my sister-in-law, though. Didn't really have any skills to begin with, so. But, yeah, I think a woman's touch in the kitchen was uh, much appreciated. <laughs> so, all in all, have you enjoyed it? Oh, I have loved it. And uh, just hoping I've had a pass mark to get invited back. It's just got 386 days to wait. But, um, yeah, I've really loved it. Yeah, great. Thank you. So, Ollie, Jenna, you have a unique view of the whole thing because you're support crew. You're also providing massages and you've done the race as well. So, overall, how was the camp? Oh, it was brilliant. Yeah, I really enjoyed it this year. Another good camp. Um I think the highlight this year was it was a really good group that we had. Um, everyone got on really well, which they normally do on these camps, but it makes a big difference. Uh, and support crew were all, um, yeah, all really uh, a really good team this year. Yeah. So, uh, when you see what's planned for the for the athletes, you know it's going to be tough for them. Do you have a, a technique for encouraging them? Because I know after the first first day there was some real, oh my goodness, what have I let myself in for, thoughts. Yeah, definitely. I think um, the key to it is to stay positive, to um, sometimes be a bit of a sounding board to the athletes as well and um, to let them sort of vent some frustration perhaps if they're a little bit tired. Um, but no, it's to, to be there as a bit of, uh, as to be there as support. That's the key. Do you think it makes a difference the fact that, that they know that some of the support crew are going through what they've gone through in terms of doing the cycling and, and doing the running? Um, I think it does to a certain extent, yeah. I think um, it certainly gives you a little bit of shared um, shared experience that you've, you've been out there as well and it's a hot day and uh, you're all um, pulling together and working together as a unit, yeah. So which was, out of those those first few days, which were really tough, which which one did you enjoy the least? <laughs> um, I enjoy every day on camp. Every day is great. I think he's so diplomatic. <laughs> no, I think the, the thing with camp is it's um, it, 
the longer the camp goes on, definitely fatigue levels lift. And uh, the first couple of days, everyone goes pretty hard. But after that, it sort of settles in. Everyone finds their group that they uh, are comfortable to ride with. So uh, uh, highlights for me, I think this year were um, definitely difficult times with a run from Energy Lab. That was a, a hot day. It was a bit fatigue already. And it was um, it was a tough run back from the Energy Lab to the pier. Um, but it's always worth it when you get there and we go to Kona Brewing Company, have a nice cold beer and uh, it makes it worthwhile then. So how was your actual race? How did that go? Um, yeah, I think I got what I deserve really on the race. It's a uh, usual, uh, usual story for me, a pretty good swim, uh, good bike and then uh, crumbled on the run as usual. But um, now I'll come back next year and give it another go. <laughs> it is, it, the, the race itself, it's unexpected in places isn't it so many people have said that the, the run was much harder than they thought yeah i think when we were making our race predictions the uh, the guys who had done it before and and i'd done it last year um we kind of know what to expect and our race predictions were uh, definitely a lot slower than we would predict if we were doing a race uh, in sort of normal conditions on a normal course um you definitely go a bit slower here I think the heat's a contributing factor, but I think that the course itself, it's twisty, turny, there's lots of short, sharp uphills. Um, you can't really find a rhythm um, on the run. But uh, yeah, so I think in general, everyone's a little bit slower uh, first time out than they're expecting to be. So favourite bit of the camp? Um, meeting the crew again. Uh, it's like a, a family. It's like having a family reuni reunion. Uh, we were just saying... Uh, that I spend as much time with you guys as I do with my parents. So uh, it's nice to, uh, feels like coming home. <laughs> right, Ollie, thank you. Okay, John, let's just do our Patreon. So Kylie Cox last week called a hot chick because, why? Because hot she fast and loves chicken. loves uh, roast chicken. Roast like, chicken. loves it. L -l 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 and there's no chicken left on the bones when Kylie's in the house. My mum was like, my mum when I was young, my mum has always been a fit woman and always been a good nick, but she was obsessed with dieting when I was younger. Mm. Like, like my mum Jenny Craig and so didn't need to do Jenny Craig. It was yeah. probably a bit irrational to be honest. And she would suck a chicken bone. <laughs> I can't believe, man. <laughs> there was there was just like no nutrition left on that bone by the end of it. Yeah. Um, okay, but you've come up with a new nickname. I quite like this, the Colonel. And where's that come from? Well, oh, KFC. KFC, but also she does quite a bit of coaching, so she's kind of in charge. Yep. She's a Colonel. Yep. So Kylie, you can choose hot chick. The other thing that I would say with the hot chick was I said you could shorten it to HC. The thing with HC, when you're in the cycling circles, HC stands for all category, which is the highest category of mountain you can climb. Oh. So Kylie, the special privilege. What do you reckon she's going to take? She can choose the Colonel or Hot Chick. If I was, if I was, I'd take Hot Chick. I'd take the Colonel. There we go. Well, let's find out what happens. Okay. So Ian, who was also asked the question earlier, and how do we say his name? He probably told me Blake here. Blake Lock. Blake Lock. I promised myself that if I let, let myself get suckered into paying for a Strava Summit, I should certainly become a member or a patron of the show. Well, a few months ago, but better late than never. I'm originally from Aberdeen in Scotland, but have settled into northern beaches of Sydney 13 years ago. I took up triathlon and moved when I moved to Australia. People do it in Scotland apparently, but I don't know how. It's effing freezing and usually uh, pelting as well. My last and best Ironman of was uh, my last and best Ironman of three was the one and only Challenge Cairns in 2011. Certainly the cheapest iron distance race in Cairns. Since then, I got married in 2012, had kids in 2014 and 17 and just trying to get through those early unpredictable years with the kids to see when 
Hopefully when, if not, I get another one done. In the meantime, club races in the Waringa Waringa Triathlon Club at the spectacular North Head location. Running and cycling events in the odd half distance events are achievable in the time available. I'm a civil engineer and currently leading the independent certification team on a 9k road channel in Sydney. That that stuff is impressive. Mm. Man. Oh. I love, I always love this. I always used to, when Tyler was a kid, I always say, you know, like somebody had to think about this. You know, like when you walk past a building, I always love to go to Tyler. Someone's had to think, think of all the decisions that went into that, you know, and, and not just as in engineering, just kind of in anything that humans have made, you know, somebody's. When those had, tunnels come together and oh, they're like two millimeters difference or something, oh, it's impressive. It's, it's impressive stuff. I'm not busy, John. But I've got a lot on my plate at the moment. <laughs> He's so. prioritizing. I said, I sent him a reply. I said, that's great, Ian. I love your attitude there. He's prioritizing. So, so you're a good nickname here? I have. This was, uh, I think this is a good one. It was actually generated from the uh, the darts nickname generator. Well, I've got one I as use. well, but I'll, 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 can, can I give you my, you give you one? And we'll let you Ian choose. Ian the Blade Blakehock. Okay. Blake I've got break on through to the other side. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that's pretty good. Because with a tunnel, he breaks on through to the other side. I don't want to get into this habit of people choosing their nicknames when we give you an option of two. Cause I think my response to improved that mine was better. Okay, your response, Ian, your laugh. Ian. Broke on through to the other side. Know. Blakemore. Come on. I like the blade. If I was going to get something etched on the back of my bike jersey instead of break, break on, on through, through the to the other side. <laughs> I'd go. Anyway, Ian, let us know. Ian, you get a choice. We're stopping it from here on in. We are. But Ian, one. you are the last. Ian and Kylie, you are the last. If you want to become a patron, guys, go to www.iamtalk.me. On the page, you can see where you're joined to be a patron. There's a level of giving that you give. Also, a gift level. You go on a trip to win a trip to the cone of the boys next year. And more importantly, you support us in what we're doing. If, you, if this is a big part of your triathlon week and we add value to your life, by all means, support us in what we do. If you want to get the show emailed to you, you can email, uh, go to the website as well, and down the bottom of the homepage, just put your details in, and each week when I release the show, I just send you the email with the notes and the show link. Uh, if you want to get some coaching, go to coachjohnreason.com. If you want to check out my podcast, go to bevanjamesisles.com. If you want to send some cool content, age group of the week, website of the week, other feedback, Podcast at gmail.com. John, what is your gossip? Our sponsors. Extreme endurance. John, what's your gossip? What's my gossip? I've got one week and one day until I head off to France. Looking forward oh, to that. Oh, that's convenient. You leave the kids in the second half of the holidays. Hey, I'm sure Belinda's brought this up. Sure, she hasn't either. <laughs> Literally, before coming around here, I had to have a bit of a deep and meaningful with Thomas. <laughs> Pick up your game or look out. Oh, when, when you're away? Yeah. 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 So there was some, some stern words there. How long are so, you away for? Um, I say closer to two weeks, <laughs> getting towards three, but it's probably, yeah, two, about two and a half. Have you just been in Kona? Luckily, played my cards well there and took Belinda over there, so that was my saving grace. Mm. So, no, um, gossip of the week would be, not gossip. Did you watch the rugby? I did watch the rugby. I've turned my Sky Sports on. Oh, Tour de France is on. Tour de France is on, loving the first two days. Kiwi boy got a... Good finish. Stage. We had the team time trial. So we've got three Kiwis racing in the Tour de France, and one of them is the Lotto Yumbo squad, George Bennett. You'll see him. He's like a whippet. He's like bloody 60 kilograms, and he's a, a ten, top 10. He's a two top 10 finishers, I think. Uh, does he ever have the potential do- to be a winner? Well, this year he's domestiquing, so he's just. Okay. But, but do you see a career where. No, but he's he's potentially could get somewhere, like maybe like fifth or something okay. like okay. that. 
so that was cool because he they won the team time trial today so that was awesome so I'm looking forward to seeing his Tim domesticating because he's normally in the past has been going for the GC the general classification this year he's domesticating and I'm really excited to see how he goes so just on this because I don't know I've never really followed it other than kind of you give me reports but from what I understand this year is a bit of a mystery ball Oh, there's lots of guys that could win it. There's a couple of strong favourites, but there's probably five to ten guys that could win it. Now, does that make it better? Oh, yeah. And yeah. they've reduced the team size. I'm not sure if they did that last year or the year before, but now the teams are one man shorter. They're eight-man teams instead of nine, and that just means there's a little bit less of a lead-out, but certainly the Ineos team, which used to be Sky, are the favourites. But there's, yeah, no, it's it's pretty wide open. I'm looking forward to it. I was watching it. news last night, and they had the, you know, the report on news, and Eddie Merrick, Eddie Merckx, yeah. Eddie Merckx, in Belgium, was it? Yep. Started in Belgium to, to honour him. Do you think Lance Armstrong was a little bit annoyed? Because Merckx kind of known as... Merckx. Well, Merckx was known to being on the drugs as well. Yeah, that different era. Yeah. Yeah. Bit, yeah. Yeah, no, you could say the same thing about everybody from... In your own. Yeah. You know. Yep, totally. So, yeah, yeah no, get, get your point. Yeah. But, uh, Interesting one. Anyway, we want to talk about... Any other bit would be a little bit concerned now... I think Thomas, my son, is actually faster downhill than me on a mountain bike. We went out for a ride on Sunday. Pretty technical little track, and I was being a bit of a girl's blouse. Where'd where, where you go? We came down uh, Huntsbury Hill, single track stuff, and it was a bit muddy, and I really, really did not want to crash. Oh, you can't injure yourself right <laughs> no. now. No. So I was pretty timid down there. I said, you just go at the front. And I was like, oh, I think he's a bit quicker than me now <laughs> oh, on the technical no. stuff. It's so a bit of a concern. That hurts, but it's the uphill that's really going to hurt you. That yeah, day when true. he beat you uphill, mm. oh, I knew some you're gonna, yeah. you'll, you'll kneecap him. I will <laughs> take him out. Yeah. Here's what you get. That's about it, Bevan. What's happening in your world? Well, here's the question: Will you stay up and watch cricket tomorrow night? Tomorrow night is it? I thought it was like later in the week, but no, no, I won't. Tuesday night. No, because and the, you always have this thing. They don't deserve to be there because the black caps. Hey, John. They they got there coming from you. Yeah, no, that's what I was about to say. They don't. They deserve to be there. The, 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 no, they, don't, they don't deserve to be there. They've, they deserve but, to be there. No, let me finish. You're like my bloody wife. <laughs> Jesus. They've won the opportunity to be there, so good on them. Yeah. You don't get deserve to get anything. Um, but I don't. I want the Black Caps to win, but at the same time, I want the best team in the competition to win, and the Black Caps are not the best team in the competition. Yeah, but that's tournament sport. I know, and that's what I don't like about tournament sport. Anyway. So do you, do, do you prefer a super rugby or an English Premier League? Because um, they don't have a final in the Premier League. It's no, really they don't. You know, like NRL is the same. NRL, they have the Premier. You do get a season Premier, but it's not really celebrated. Mm. And then you have the finals, and that's when I quite like the ones where you've got a couple of, if you're the best team and you cock up, you've got a second chance. That's what league does well. Yeah, league, that's what league, league does well. They have well. the top eight, and one plays eight, and if one loses, they still get another chance. That's what I like. I prefer that system. Yeah. It's a bit of an in-between. Bevan, what's happening? You, you're staying up the night, are you? Well, I'm making an assessment as the night goes on. <laughs> so New Zealand are I'm playing... I'm willing to stay up all night. New Zealand are playing India. Now... We're probably going to get not absolutely put money on spanked. It. You <laughs> would not put money on it. And, and we, I, we deserve to be there, I believe, because we the, pay, the rules say we should be there. But our last three... If we started tournament, okay, you know, there were definitely some cracks in our armour, but we, we got through the first period in a pretty good position, and then we have dropped the ball. <laughs> Like terribly in the last three games, um, and it was pretty scary. But sports, sport. All you need is one person to fire up. It's like football; you just need one bit of luck. Well, I think you probably need three. I think mm. we need a couple of batsmen to do a great job. 
Uh, and then you had a couple of bowlers to really kind of dominate. The thing about the Indian cricket team is they we're are... Get, we're getting spanked. Oh, they are <laughs> phenomenal, man. And their batting lineup is just like one legend after another. Yeah. So, yeah. But I'm going to... I'm gonna Because it starts at 9.30. I see we had an Indian We have an Indian guy at, at running, Sai. Yeah, I met him. I remember I met him. He was out yep. getting the water that day. And I said... Uh, as long as Australia don't win, <laughs> as long as Australia don't win, I'm happy. Well, I have to admit, I would have preferred Australia, but Australia, to me, India is a better overall team. But then you got Stark. Mm, he's awesome. Oh, Stark is like for, so international. Hey, we've like, got to wrap this Oh no, they love the cricket talk. <laughs> Stark is just a cricket god, isn't he? he just he's just a, he's not Wazi Macron, but he's getting he's pretty good. I, I'd, I'd argue he's of that level. Yeah, He'll good. go down as one of the greats. Mm. He's just a threat. Anyway, John, other than that, I'm going to have a late night. I'm supermodel next two days. Katmandu. Katmandu. Yeah, Katmandu. I'm going to be a Katmandu model. So if you're going to get some Get onto MacPack, then I, I get lots of MacPack stuff now. I need to hook up a well, MacPack. We'll go to Katmandu. Much better product. Oh, come on. They've always got a sale a little bit. Like Briscoe's, there's always yep. a sale. You know, I tell you what, I've got a bloody. I've got two Katmandu things. I've got a jacket and I've got a uh, kind of a merino vest. Mm-hmm. Or no, like hoodie zip up. Mm-hmm. Bloody good clothes. There you go. But I'm also sponsored by Reebok. Hashtag Reebok. (laughs) (laughs) Iron Rust. Train hard. Train smart. Kick Kick hard.